Hello, and welcome to All Things Marketing and Education. My name is Ilana Leone, and I've devoted my career to helping education brands build their brand awareness and engagement. Each week, I sit down with educators, edtech entrepreneurs, and experts in educational marketing and community building. All of them will share their successes and failures using social media, inbound marketing or content marketing, and community building. I'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of All Things Marketing and Education. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with the inspiring Miss Katie Tess Davis. <laughs> she is the founder of Forthright Advising, and she's going to talk to you a little bit more about that. But it's a national PR and communications firm that works just with organizations that love kids. So she'll talk to you a lot more about that. And Katie, be prepared. This is where I get to gush about how awesome you are. <laughs> And for those of you going to see the video, she's laughing. Um, as a founder of anything, we don't get compliments much or at all. And we don't mm. give ourselves credit for all of the things we do pretty much ever. And every single time I do something, I say, great, we got it done, but we could always do it better. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's this vicious cycle. Um, with that said, I want to talk to you a little bit about Katie. Um, Katie was recently selected by Forbes as their next 1000 class of 2021, um, which is a huge honor. And she can talk to you a little bit about that, but she might not because she's humble. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Katie and I met pretty much a lifetime ago, it feels like. Uh, I was running marketing at Edutopia. Katie was running all things PR and comms at ASCD, and mm -hmm. I got to meet up with her probably once a year in person and went to her press room and really would just go there to steal all of her cool stuff, like we got power banks and things like that. Those were great days. <laughs> Those were. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I really admired you from afar for so long. Katie is warm. Oh, the feeling is so mutual. Stop it. <laughs> Katie is warm and bubbly, and you'll get that from this. She's also very assertive and incredibly intelligent. As the CEO of Forthright Advising, she's also attracted an awesome team. And I hope that people say this about me, too, because I love my team so much. But your team really compliments you. And I've been nothing but impressed by them as well. And I admire your protection and guidance of them and just utmost respect for them. So Katie is one of those people you want to follow on LinkedIn as well. So look her up, Katie Tess Davis, because she inspires me when I log in and she talks about how team culture is important, how, you know, work-life balance is important. So much things that really align with LCG values. Um, anyways, I, I could go on and on about Katie, but I really feel truly blessed to have you in my orbit, Katie. I feel like you are a Slack message away, and I feel very blessed to be able to collaborate with you and have your support with our crazy journeys of trying to figure out what we're doing, starting our own thing. Um, yes. So I'm going to let Katie introduce herself. Um, but after that, we're going to get into some great stuff about the power of storytelling. So welcome, Katie, to All Things Marketing and Education. Oh, my gosh. That was an amazing <laughs> introduction. Thank you. Yeah, this is gonna make my weekend. Um, so yes, um, I think you touched on a lot of things from my background. So I grew up the daughter of two special education professors. Both of my parents taught um, at UNC Charlotte. And so equity and doing the right thing for kids, like that was our kitchen table conversation every night. And I think the apple just doesn't fall far from the tree. So I fell in love with doing PR and marketing in college, but um, I was always drawn to doing it for education, right? And so I worked, yeah, at a couple different public school districts and then also at ASCD, but then have worked for a lot of nonprofits in the child and family space as the communications director for Children's Law Center. Um, and so when my husband got a job down in North Carolina um, and we were making our homecoming, or I was making my homecoming back to my home state, I couldn't find quite the right job. Um, and so I very brazenly decided to like invent one for myself, not realizing 
how hard it is to start your own company. Um, but you're right. It has been like quite an amazing journey. Um, and certainly a real way to live my values. And I think you touched on that a little bit with the things that I care most about. I think it's weird when you start a company, you don't realize it's going to be such an expression of who you are, right? Yeah. And for me, when I started LCG, I thought I would get the most, like, I would be most rewarded for the work I did with the brands. And that still drives me and it still drives my team. And I feel really humble to be able to work alongside education brands that are doing good things. But the most rewarding thing, honestly, is my team itself and being able oh, to I agree. Cur like curate an, a passionate team that I get to take care of too. And they take care of me. And like, it, it has been so rewarding. And I just, I, it's funny what the assumptions you come in when you build a company. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our, I adore every single one of our teammates and think that they are geniuses. It's nice to be able to not be the smartest person in the room. Right. And that was the goal of the team. It's like, we all have really deep backgrounds in the same things. We all have the same passions, but we all have incredibly different lived experiences, which reflects the communities that we serve. Right. Um, but I, but that is like a genuine, that's maybe the best part of the whole thing. Right. Is like, you get to like pick all the people that you hang out with and work every day. Right. Yeah. Um, your brand, your tagline is you like to work with organizations that absolutely love kids. Can you talk a little bit about the type of organizations that you work with and, and maybe just the type of work you do? Because I think that'll give context for the topic we're going to dive into is about storytelling and how whether you're an educator, um, an ed tech administrator, or somebody in an ed tech brand, whether you're running marketing or comms, this will be really helpful for you. But Katie, you want to give a little context of your work and your team's work? Sure. So we work, like you said, exclusively with organizations that love kids. So that's about maybe 70% nonprofit foundations and for-profits that work in the child and family focused or education space. And then probably the other 30% of our clients are school districts themselves. So we work for superintendents, um, especially in innovative school districts that are doing um, really interesting things. Um, having interesting programs or trying something new for students. And that's the work that we do. Um, you will not find polar bears or Velcro on our client list. Um, and that allows us to have a really deep background. When we come to a client, you don't have to explain the jargon to us, right? We get it. We live it. We're with you. Um, and our like specialty is thoughtful communication strategy. It's really about helping organizations and leaders think about what their vision is of a brighter world. And then we help you identify like who can make that vision a reality. And then where do those people get their information? And how can we get your brand mission campaign issue uh, in front of your target audiences and then meet them where they are. And that's like what I love to do. I like to get people the information that they need. Yeah, and I love this because we're going to build on top of each other. But what we talk about is how to make your brand matter for your target audience. And we say that over and over again. But the way you make it matter is you make it valuable. You make it timely. You make it relevant. And you show up consistently. And I so that. I know that you and I have like very similar philosophies, but they really complement each other, which I love. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, there's times where I am like, oh, nope, that's LCG strength, not ours. <laughs> Um, because there's so much about, I think, I think when you talk about consistency, you're so good at that and you, um, you and your team are so valuable about like community building and thinking about how people can stay engaged, um, which is just such a great like compliment to the work that we do, which I think is oftentimes helping a client for the first time ever or for a large campaign think through those pieces. And so I, yeah, I think you're right. Our brands are very, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's, sister brands. 
it's like really overwhelming for a new brand to come in and say, gosh, you know, who are we? How do we talk about ourselves? Or even like sometimes you're starting from scratch for a new campaign. Oh, yeah. I think this, this dovetails really well into storytelling because it's bringing it back to like the foundation and the roots. So um, yeah. everybody, we're going to be referencing a blog post. Um, it'll be directly in the show notes. It's leoneconsultinggroup.com backslash 10. I'll say it again a couple times in the podcast. Don't worry. And then if you follow us on social, we'll be bombarding you with it. Um, but to start off around storytelling, I think I've used storytelling in a way to, when I work with ed tech brands, is to get them back to their why a little bit. And then when I talk to ed leaders, I almost do it in a guilt trippy way and say, you are almost selfish to not share your story, to not share mm -hmm. your school story, your student's journey story. Like that is mm -hmm. your job. And I know Chris Lehman over, shout out to Chris Lehman over at the Science Leadership Academy. He always talks about that number one role of an educator admin or any type of leader, whether you are an instructional technologist or even if you're a teacher leader in the school, whatever it may be, tell your story. Tell your student's story. No one else is going to do it but you in your authentic way. So I think this is a really powerful topic. I'm very excited to get into it. Um, when we talk about this blog post you wrote, I loved it. I'm going to highlight a couple of points about it just so this audience has a little bit of context, and then we'll jump into some questions. But one point you said is so spot on you said humans are wired for stories we all are i can't stop watching reality tv like, <laughs> married Wait, we're still reality tv okay i'm a love island person myself so <laughs> but research shows that you know stories elicit very real biological reactions and we'll link to the research in there but that i mean you are physically experiencing stories and yeah. different areas of our brains light up and process stories so exactly. that is, that's amazing it's going to be more powerful than any stat you do and then the last I mean, one, oh go ahead but i mean thinking about brains and the way that we process information i think I think the reason that we're seeing storytelling trending right now as like a 2022 trend, I mean, first of all, it's always been a trend, but a lot of people are pulling it out. And I think that that's because people's brains are pandemicified. That's not a word. I just made it up. But I think we are all so overwhelmed with processing so much ever-changing information and people's brains are like sieves, right? And so stories, the fact that they interact with our brains in a different way um, and really feel personal. You take an emotional journey when you hear them. It's like the only thing breaking through right now. This is the most crowded media market we have ever worked in. And it's been like this for, you know, a couple of years. Um, and stories seem to be the way to still connect with people when you're not retaining a lot of information. Agreed. I mean, you tell me a thousand people maybe got injured in a railroad accident and you're like, oh, that sucks. But, you know, another. But you can't imagine a thousand people. No, you can't even imagine. But then you, you take me on a journey of a kid that was going to school and it was his first day and he was on the train and and then this horrible thing happened. And here's his journey of what happened to him specifically. You're like, oh, my God, where can I donate money? How can I help this kid? You are emotionally attached to them. A hundred percent. And I think that's because it's hard to visualize what a thousand people look like. Like, I don't even know what that is. It's maybe like a couple school buses worth of people. Like that doesn't, or, or like a lot of school buses worth of, I don't even know how many school buses, it's like 40 people on a school bus and I don't math. So that's a confusing thing as a communicator. You're giving this big number and then you're relying on like the shock of the thing when instead you can be making emotional attachments and in your example, to this one person and their experience, and you using empathy can put yourself in that person's shoes. Um, and if the world needs anything right now, we really need empathy. Uh, and so I think when we're able to identify with somebody's details, those little things, like I'm imagining that boy with a backpack and maybe one of his shoelaces un untied, and maybe he has crumbs all over his sweater from breakfast. Like those things, it, it just brings to life 
something in us that is really human and really empathic. And that's a really important thing for us to all be doing right now. Agreed. And I, I think it goes without saying when we have stories that affect us emotionally, physically, we're going to remember them. And you linked to some research around that. We'll link to it in our show notes as well. But a well-told story. And, you know, in the nonprofit space in particular, I've been to so many nonprofit conferences where they're trying to elicit donations, right? So um, maybe if you are a school admin or if you're a teacher trying to raise money about certain things, you never start out with those big numbers. It's those stories that really get people and move them to action. Um, I mean, it's also about how people, sorry to interrupt you. It's also about how people absorb information like if you're an auditory learner or a visual learner or just even the way that your brain processes information coming in that story is accessible to multiple types of people like I'm a visual learner like my team can be talking to me about something I'm like can I just look at the doc you're looking at while we're talking about it like I have to see it Um, and so when you've got a story that has a person and you can see their head their face and you've got I mean it's just it brings to life um, a lot of things for a lot of different types of human and human brain. Yes. And we're already really talking about it, but I would love to hear just how do you go about incorporating storytelling into a framework? It sounds a little overwhelming to start with, but it actually might be more simple. It's the idea of like maybe limiting, like you can only tell a story. What is your story that that might be more powerful, but it still feels slightly overwhelming probably for ed tech brands listening. And even just if you are an educator, you're a school leader, what's the story you're trying to tell? And, or what is the story? <laughs> Not trying to tell, but how do they begin to incorporate storytelling into like their everyday activities? I mean, I think that you, if you pick like a main character for your campaign or your brand, I think it should generally be a character that's experienced a transformation because of you or because of the need of the thing that you're working on. Um, And, and telling that story and you already touched on it, just pick one, pick one person or one child or one teacher. And in picking one, then once you've got this robust story, and this is how our team does it, right? We'll interview the person. We'll, and I think it's really important to be thoughtful about the way that you get consent anytime you're doing storytelling Uh, making sure that somebody understands intimately and you tell them multiple times how their story is going to be used and allow them to um, agree or not agree, you know, but say, we're going to use it on our website. We're going to use it on Instagram, you know, tell tell them everything that you're going to do and tell them how um, you're going to use it. But once you've got this like pretty robust story, we call that a core story, right? Once you've got a core story, then you can use it in so many places you've got this success story or a transformation story that you can put on your website. You don't even need to tell the whole thing over again. It can be four sentences. It can be one sentence that is just featured on your homepage that links to the longer story, or you can tell it on social. Once you've got a couple of these, one or two of these like stories that are success stories, the ways that you can repurpose that content are endless. Yeah, I think um, that's kind of where we come into play, too, is like you've got this amazing story. Now, what channels like what and how, what are the different mediums and formats that we can bring it to life and then use data to say, OK, what works and what doesn't? But you say you're a brand just getting started and some actually of our clients are, are re readjusting to storytelling and realizing that they don't have any like case studies or they don't have any like profiles of people and how it's changed their life or their way of being They're ten tons of them just tend to go out there and grab as many stories as they want. But how do they know which one's better and how, what are the characteristics of looking for like a, their main character rather than their, what's the other character. That's like the, the non-important character. The sidekick. <laughs> The best like, friend. Know the non-sidekick or the the chubby best friend you know i so i love that question i it starts to me with target audience and what you're trying to get people to know do or think differently after they read your story 
And I, if your target, your target audience is going to have um, a bias towards people that are like them, right? That understand what they're going through, that understand their struggles so that they can see themselves in that story so that they can relate to that story. Um, and so if you're going to pick out a story that you want to tell so that people can say, ah, I get it, then that's a story that you want to tell about somebody that looks and is like your target audience that does those same sort of things every day that has the same challenges. If you are using storytelling as a way to bridge a gap or um, change hearts and minds and exhibit understanding, then I would be thoughtful about choosing a main character that um, of course is relatable, but also can explain and bridge those lived understanding, lived experience gaps, right? They can help bring someone along and say, oh, I've never thought about it that way or that's really different from my life and now I understand. And so someone who can be um, thoughtful and careful, I think about, um, I'm gonna be a nerd for a second, but we've gotten really deep into like Last Chance You and Cheer on Netflix, which are like sports documentaries. I don't sports ball, but I sports documentaries. And there's so many relatable characters and I mean, they're people um, that tell their own stories about how they got to football or basketball. Um, and I don't sports ball and I'm not a teenager, but the fact that they share their stories and their struggles, like our gap is bridged, right? I can understand um, why they care about the things that they care about because they've been able to share, even though we're so on a lake. Yeah, I think, um, hundred percent what you said. And it just reminded me every time I talk to like in particular, the ed tech space, I'm a mentor to a couple of accelerators and I talk to them and it becomes clear within the first minute that they don't know their audience. And I think fundamentally that's what we're both saying. Cause you obviously can't do storytelling if you don't know your audience and you can't even narrow it down to your target audience if you don't know your audience. <laughs> but yep. I think just to get started, it's, I always tell people, go out and interview as many people as you can. And sometimes in the beginning, when you don't have a product that has traction, start talking to people about the real need, right? So you might talk to somebody else in the space, talk to educators that have tried other products or whatnot. So really understanding the challenges and the pain points, then you can start understanding, okay, if another main character comes in and, and comes with those challenges and pain points, like for me, I'm like, ding, ding, ding. That's her main yeah. character. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's that like me that I talked about. Like we have the same challenges and that's important. I hear when I like, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, you talked about how we're both founders, right? That allows us to have a connection and a sort of start at a level of understanding. And to that point, I think you're, you're right that if you understand your target audience and what they care about, what their values are, and then what their challenges are, you can choose a really powerful main character for a story that's going to resonate with them. But if you don't know that, then you have to ask yourself, like, what is my vision of a brighter world and who is my decision maker? Who can say yes or no to making my vision of this world come true? And if it's purchasing a product, like who, whose need am I fulfilling? Like what, whose problem am I solving with what I'm putting out into the world? And, and if you can answer that and you can think about, I think about it like a target, your decision maker is at the very center of the target. The people who have the ear of the decision maker are on that next ring out of the target that can influence, we call them influencers, that can influence that decision maker to say yes or no to you, what your vision is. Um, and so, for example, like if we're working on a, like expanding um, early childhood support, we've got a decision maker. Let's pretend it's President Biden. I don't personally get to call President Biden on the phone ever, <laughs> but I may know people who do, right, who are in his sphere of influence, who have his ear and can help make my vision of a better world reality. And so when you're thoughtful about like, who's your decision maker and who are their influencers, then you can start to build a story that speaks to those target audiences and what their values and barriers are. 
No, you, you are so good because my follow-up question was going to be like, especially in education, we're talking to multiple stakeholders. Um, usually brands will say, here's my primary stakeholder. And if you are in ed tech, it's usually your your decision maker is your primary one you want to talk to. But at yeah. the same time, you want a groundswell movement and talk to your users because if you don't have user adoption, you don't have anything, right? So you, you were talking a little bit about how does one story and think about it, how does it really affect all of the stakeholders? But do you recommend maybe having multiple stories that talk directly to each stakeholder down the road? Yeah, if you can, absolutely. Decisions, especially for ed tech adoption, aren't made in a vacuum, right? They're made in a conference room or now, you know, these days on Zoom with a lot of different people bringing their own values to the table. So if we can have multiple stories that speak to different stakeholders, then that's even better, right? It's, if you have no stories, let's get you one or two. If you have one or two, let's get you five that all speak to those influencers, right? So I think entry level, you want a story that speaks to that core audience. What'd you call it, the primary purchaser? Um, yeah. yeah, let's, let's, let's get that one. Let's do that. And then once we've done that, then let's think about who else is in the room where it happens. If I'm going to quote Hamilton, <laughs> um, then let's think about who all those other decision maker influencers are and make sure that we've got stories that speak to their values. Yeah. And this is getting me a little nerdy because I feel like as a marketer, I think about communication methods and email being one of them, right? And sometimes we have one story, but that story doesn't talk to your entire email list because your email list is full of multiple stakeholders. So right. if you, most people, when you do get on their email list, they do ask like, what's your role in education or that kind of thing. That's your, that's your thing that you can filter by. But imagine sending an email and having, you could have a dynamic email. I know this is sounding nerdy, but dynamic content. And if you have, send the same email, but a user story that talks directly to that stakeholder. Wouldn't that be amazing? Or even just pull out. Yeah. I mean, you, one, people contain multitudes, right? Yeah. And you might be able to have the same narrator or the same main character that has all these amazing quotes that would speak to different values. If you're looking for, I'm making this up. If you're looking for donuts um, and you've got one person who is like all in on icing and the other person who's all in on the dough like a funny example for an education podcast, but I'm hungry. So we've got, we've got somebody who cares about icing and then you've got somebody who cares about the like donut itself, like cake or flat, you know, then I would be thoughtful about seeing if you can use that same narrator, but speak to those values. And then when you're speaking to somebody who cares about the icing, like pull out, you know, we've got chocolate with sprinkles. But when you're talking to the person who cares about cake, you can also pull out the thing about how fluffy and light your donuts are. Nice. Um, just out of curiosity, what's your favorite donut? <laughs> um, as a North Carolina girl, I'm a Krispy Kreme person. Nice. Classic place. Straight for it. I think a side note for me is I just don't like donuts at all. Donuts or ice cream. <gasps> you don't? No, I've never. What is your dessert of choice? I don't know, like cheese. <laughs> oh, sure. Chips. Yeah, I mean. Salt, salty. We'll cheesy, stand cheese all day. Horrible stuff. <laughs> Um, so we talked about storytelling of how you should have a powerful story for a main character, but then also think about the other people at the table and then eventually expand to other stakeholders. Um, once you have a story, I think we need to think about how do we get it out there? I mean, your team's out there pitching it in the PR realm. You're also yep. making sure you're doing op-eds, they're getting covered, they're doing guest blogs. There's a yep. whole world of PR and comms. Do you want to maybe just talk through how you see storytelling trickling out in your world? Yeah, absolutely. We often use stories, like you said, in the media, um, but also... I think in video, I mean, especially in today's like digital world, um, video and audio for stories are really doing well. Um, I would even transform those stories if you can into things like social media graphics or infographics 
or ways to visualize that story. Because if you think about all the different types of ways people absorb information, let's get the most we can out of that one story. So let's repurpose it in all the ways we can. We've been recommending that clients do photo shoots and we've been able to get some pretty amazing photography lately for clients. And that goes really far too, being able to pair a quote with a picture and a graphic. Um, just having those visuals can make all the difference in a story. Um, and then I think being able to pull, like I said, pull quotes, but you can pull quotes for your website or in your case, your email newsletter. Um, but making sure that you are seeing the whole story, but then also seeing the disparate parts within the story and being able to use them in a ton of different ways. Yeah. And I think what you said was really powerful because sometimes we have in our mind what storytelling is. And it's this like beautiful produced video that this film crew has to go to the person and see them in action and this whole thing. And actually, there's so many ways to do low budget storytelling. Um I mean, beyond getting it into media and whatnot, but I mean, you can have a simple what we call audiogram where you're just doing a little bit of a voiceover with their image of their picture and put that on social. We can do a couple of TikToks that get the people to watch to the end and say, wait for it. Let's see what happens at the big reveal. Um, just an image and doing a quote. Yeah. <laughs> like we can get really right. It doesn't have to be that serious. And I love that about it right it doesn't need to be this like yeah you're right like you know ninety thousand dollar video production it can be you for a couple hours talking to people getting their stories writing it up and then thinking of ways to piece it apart yeah and if i do work with brands that do have that beautiful video unfortunately i cut it up <laughs> like i cut it up and i make it look a little more realistic because in education we're talking to people on the ground that value authenticity they don't value polish generally and so yeah. how can i cut up some things that are micro bits and that can be in your feed daily right or how can i just do something that you know if an educator is talking you can hear a little bit in their background because that's an everyday life of an educator <laughs> you know? yeah. how can we be relatable yes a hundred percent um, I think the more digestible you and easy to read or easy to consume you can make a story, the better. We have really short attention spans. And there, you know, you know the old marketing rule of seven, which is you have to hear something seven times in order to remember it. I'm saying to clients these days with pandemic brain, we're up to 14 times, like double that. When you are first sick of saying your message, or sharing a story, that is when it is very first starting to resonate with your audience. So when, you know, sometimes we have um, clients come to us and say, I'm just really bored of our messaging. Like, great, keep going. Because you're bored, that means it's finally starting to land with your audiences. So don't be afraid to take that one story and repeat it. Um, I Oftentimes people are worried that they're going to bore their audiences or you've used that content one time. No, no. The more we can repeat it and the more you can use that in multiple ways, the better because people will finally start to associate it with you, right? Like if I see a brand story on their website, then I bump into it on Instagram and then later I see it on Twitter and then I hear a radio ad. All of that finally starts to paint this cohesive picture for me. And I say, oh, yeah, that's that story. That's that brand. Yeah. And it, as we talk about characters and really kind of slicing and dicing the story to make it to different mediums, I also want to mention that this isn't a finite process. This isn't like, all right, we found our main story and then it, we're good. Maybe we'll find some other, you know, other stakeholders we talk to and we're good. But we know that especially now organizations are changing strategies, um, especially in the foundation world and the pandemic. We know ed tech products are evolving to meet all these crazy needs. We know educators are pivoting left and right to find out what really engages kids in, in the midst of all this administrators yeah. are scrambling so how we all tell our story is changing or or how we're telling stories of people using our stuff is changing because their needs and behaviors are changing so please don't yeah. walk away saying we got our one main character done let's slice and dice it for the rest of the year <laughs> like it, it's an evolving yeah, process keep going well. <laughs> yeah i mean if you don't have a story you should get one 
if you have a story, maybe you should have a few more and then a few more, right? Yeah, so in your blog post, you talked about just like, what's that script like a little bit? And it kind of reminded me of like the Homer's Odyssey or the, the Homer's Odyssey where Odysseus is going on his journey, right? And he has all these challenges. But when you craft a story and you have this main character, they have some type of challenge. They have some type of conflict and then they get over it. And it's like a before and after. Maybe, can you walk, do you have any examples of people you've worked with or things that you've liked out in the industry that that really resonate to bring that home because I'm trying to think of you don't want to ever tell someone a script but you want to be able to recognize a good story and how it will resonate and tell the impact of what you're doing yeah we recently partnered with the National Head Start Association to tell a lot of powerful stories about early head start and the impacts that early head start had um, and we got to interview parents and we got to interview um, child care workers and staff members and advocates. Um, and it was so inspiring. And being able to, to talk about why Early Head Start really supported families and how they were supported um, made for such a powerful campaign. And I will share it with you for the show notes. Um, but being able to find that, like you said, like before and after, that's aligned with the overarching, like your vision, back to your vision of a brighter world. What is your vision of a brighter world? One where kids have the supports that they need to thrive. So how can we tell a story about a family who needed the support, got it, and then thrived, right? Yeah, and it's, my, I don't know if you like this metaphor, but it's like, it's almost like extreme makeover a little bit. Like you come in and sometimes in education, most of the time people don't even know they have a problem, right? They're not looking for things like project-based learning because maybe they've never heard of it, you know, or what the heck is social emotional learning and mm -hmm. how can I integrate? I'm not looking for those things, right? But it's almost like a before and after for an extreme makeover where they you here's what their everyday is here are their challenges but at the end here is this result um yeah. we did actually a physical makeover in a classroom once at edutopia and we took them on that journey i remember i remember it. <laughs> and i, I remember, remember being in the room where i was like hey can we splice this video up and do the the beginning where it sets the stage and then we did one or two videos in the middle to show the work and then the end and can you yeah. guess which one was the most popular video of all the series? The end, the vision of a brighter yeah. world. The end. Yeah, because yeah, people yeah. want to know yeah. like what it looks like, right? And but the second popular one was the the beginnings, like yeah. the foundation of what was it before? Because you can't truly appreciate the end unless you know where they came from too totally but the middle is kind of like okay here's what you do but you can drag an audience on in the middle because they want to get to yeah. the end and that's what tiktok is known for right <laughs> like, <laughs> tiktok is a beast all of its own with an algorithm no one can crack but i do yeah. think that um that you're right but like a beginning middle and an end just like they taught us in our like five paragraph essays and you know school is a pretty solid formula. I think, you know, we typically start with the need, sort of what is, what's happening. Then we move into the overview, like how, how is your product or um, your solution to the need? What's it look like at the high level, just so people understand. And then we have you move into um, sort of the nuts and bolts. Like, how is it getting done? And that's sort of like you said, like, you know, we're ripping up the carpet and we're putting in new chairs and we've got a table and we've got these bouncy balls for wiggly kids. Um, and then the end is back to that vision of a brighter world. I'm telling you, it's the key to everything. So then you've got this vision of like, how is life better? How did we meet the need? Um, and that is a really important piece. Um, but I like that flow of like the problem, the overview, the nuts and bolts. And then that like nice, like rainbow birds are chirping, woodland creatures are running around vision. <laughs> I love it. Um, I think I'll just put another little bug into our audience's ear is that we're talking about a story and a story doesn't have to be a, a five minute video or anything like that. It actually can be episodic content. 
And when I say episodic, I mean, oh, think about any reality show you like, you're on the journey with them. And so I have seen success with brands giving their audience actual cameras and documenting their journey. It's ugly, it's hard, it's everyday grunting, it's things you never expect, but especially on YouTube, it's been really, really successful. Um, I go to a conference called Social Media Marketing World. And last two years ago, they did an episodic content series on how to even make this conference work. And all the struggles they went through, they just aired it all out. So that stuff can be addicting as well. It's like, it's the real, real. (laughs) Yeah, we call that working out loud. Um, We work with an amazing foundation that's on a racial equity journey. And they do such a phenomenal job of saying, these are the hard parts. These, this is what we're struggling with. This is what we're considering. Um, and it's brave. But to your point, it's also authentic. And it's so helpful to watch somebody go through a journey that you're about to embark upon. And I think that people have a lot of grace and respect for somebody who is able to show like it wasn't all easy. This wasn't something that came naturally to me. Um, And it's always a work in progress. And I think allowing yourself to have that permission to be human makes for a great story. Agreed. I think we've talked a lot around how we can use storytelling if I'm an ed leader, if I'm an education organization, a foundation, a nonprofit, an ed tech brand. But I'm, I'm wondering for the educators listening, how, how we can talk directly to you as someone who is doing amazing things on the ground every day. And unfortunately, your story is not being told and it's sometimes being told in the wrong way. Do you have any advice to the educators listening around just how to incorporate storytelling? I know that educators that you're listening, you're like, all right, I have no time for anything else. You want me to be a storyteller on top of everything else? But I'm wondering if we can't convince them about the power of it and how it potentially might give them joy in their everyday and bring them back. But you know this as well as I do. It can be a tweet. It could be three tweets. It could be a three tweet thread that just talks about like a classroom activity you did this morning with your kids or something funny that one of your kids said over lunch, right? Something that helps you reconnect with your why. Back when I was at DC Public Schools, um, we were launching a new um, nutrition program and you know, I could, I could talk to the, I could talk to the operations people. I could talk to the school nutrition professionals. But the best thing that I did was be able to go walk to an elementary school nearby and sit and eat lunch with first graders and ask them how they liked it. Right. And, you know, there were kids who like had a strawberry for the first time hanging out with me and being able to just tell those micro stories, those little moments where you're like, you know, that that was the thing that kept me teaching today. That's the thing that keeps me in the classroom. Say those things out loud. I think other educators will be able to relate, but also it will remind everyone of the true joy that it is to get to do the work that you get to do. Yeah, I think you're right. It's the little tweaks. It's being aware. And any kind of behavior change, the first step is really being aware, like recognizing, right? So how do we recognize that this is an opportunity to potentially tell our story and can give us joy and spread joy to others and say, wow, you know, so-and-so over in that classroom is really doing this cool activity and she's having a lot of fun. And I think when we get a chance to reflect on our own story, our own path, educators are constantly trying to figure out what's potentially what's next. Where do I see my career evolving? Whether that be a different grade level, subject level, and some of them are even considering a jump into the world of ed tech. If you don't know who you are in your story and you're not constantly telling it, how do you know where to go? Right. And I think a lot about um, like Marie Kondo's concept of spark joy. What sparked joy for you today in your work? Like just tell people, say that thing out loud. Um, Or like, what was the challenge today that you had? You can say that thing out loud too. Um, I think you're right. that practice makes perfect. And the more that you try it, the more you'll see what feels right to you. Um, you were talking about 
following me on LinkedIn, it's been like a journey of trying to figure out like what parts of forthright do I work out loud, right? Do I take people on the journey for? Um, and I've finally sort of gotten this like little radar of like, if it's sticking with me, oh, then I should probably just like write a post about that because other people will have smart things or it's like, I'm hung up on this one thing about my business right now. I'm going to write about that. Um, and so I think the more practice you have, the more you can hone that little radar that says, oh, that's the thing. That's the thing I should write about. Yeah. And I still struggle with it too. I think we all do is I, a lot of the things that you write on LinkedIn, I'm like, oh yeah, I struggled with that. But I silently struggled with it because in my head, I was like, I don't want people to know. I don't know. And guess what? We all don't know. Um, right. So I struggle with it too. I'm like, oh, he's right. Um, but it's the little things and it might just be one behavior. Like maybe after you do an activity in the classroom or after you get out a big product meeting in ed tech, like go, oh, that is something I'd be interested in hearing what other people have to say, or maybe I want to share what we're currently struggling with um, and get people. And it can be small. It can be as small as like, um, I don't know. I posted the other day about like, what are your favorite kickoff questions for a meeting? Um, And, and I loved the comments. You left a comment that talked about fun. And I think just crowdsourcing sometimes um, just something small that's playing on your mind. Um, we're putting together a benefits package for our team. And I've been thinking a lot about like what benefits actually return on employee happiness. Um, and so being able to sort of put those things out into the world and say like, you know, what do you guys think? How, what do you, what do you do that works is uh, really helpful too. And so I think the same can be true for teachers. You know, I had this like challenge today what did you do? What would you do? What do you think? Um, Because I think what's hard about the time that we're living in is so much happens um, alone and behind closed school doors. Uh, I think one of the things that's hard about being an educator always is that it feels lonely in the classroom because you're you're the leader. Um, And then at the end of the day, you get to go see other teachers and say, okay, how was that for you today? But if you're doing virtual learning, that's even harder. It's hard to take the time. And if you're a school leader, you're not having parents and community members come into your schools often, right? And so it just gets lonelier. So the more you can find connections in telling your own story, the better it's going to be for everyone, especially for everyone's perception of what's happening in our schools right now. Yeah, this is so good. <laughs> I feel like we could talk about this for a very, very long time. And it, it was funny because when I was prepping for this show, I'm like, we're just going to be talking about storytelling. I don't know if we'll have enough questions. And we get going <laughs> and we're just talking and talking. And I'm just like, you can nerd out, right? For at least another hour. <laughs> but I, I hope for everyone listening that whoever you are, whether you be in education or actually not, um, my mom listens to all of these. Hi, mom. Um, Hi, mom. <laughs> but I hope you walk away with just different perspective of what storytelling can do and the power of it in your own personal life, but also in your messaging. And how do we, we all come into education because we're passionate about improving something, doing something. I believe storytelling is the number one way to do that. Um, Do you want to add anything about wrapping a bow on the storytelling before we ask you a couple of fun questions? No, I mean, I think it starts with audience. It always starts with audience. And then it starts with what your vision of a brighter world is. Yep. Well said. So we always ask our audience one last question. And it's really about inspiration. And there's so much going on in the pandemic that, gosh, I have to actively connect with my team, say, how are you doing? How are you keeping going? How am I keeping going? What gets you personally inspired right now? Is it something you're watching or reading, or maybe you're taking a run or a walk? Like, how do you keep going in all of this? When I, when you sent me this question ahead of time to think about, I was laughing with my team because I was like, I can't, I have a hard time after work consuming anything of real substance. Um, And so I like, I'm in this uh, Facebook book club um, called Spivey's book club. And it seems like there's like two camps. There's people who can read um, 
like horror novels and like thrillers. And then there's people in my camp, which is like romance novels only. <laughs> and so, so I think like, I'm just consuming like a ridiculous amount of fluff. Um, but my like go-to most favorite um, book that has been like, my um, North Star has been Happiness for Beginners by Catherine Center, which is not exactly a romance, but it's a little bit of uplit. And then like my favorite romance lately has been um, Boyfriend Material by Alexis Paul. But really like I, that's my fluffy, light, like can't consume anything <laughs> pandemic answer. I mean, that's awesome because some people might need to get energized with like a different podcast or something. But like in the reality, a lot of us, including myself, I like just zone out. I was telling Katie before the podcast, I've been getting into puzzles. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like mindless puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> we puzzled the other day. My parents got us um, an escape room puzzle for Christmas. And if you have not tried one, it was very fun. Ooh. I'll have to try that. It sounded awesome. complicated and I was worried about it, but it was great. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Katie, for joining. I know how incredibly busy you are. So I appreciate your time and just your wisdom and inspiration. When I don't get to talk to you, I, I get to learn from you on LinkedIn and Twitter and whatnot. So I want to thank you, but I'd love to have people figure out how to get a hold of you first and foremost. So maybe the socials and the website and all that we can put on the show notes, but you want to say a couple of them? Yeah, we are at comms for kids on Twitter is um, the numeral four comms for kids. There's an S comms. Um, and then on LinkedIn, I'm Katie Tess Davis um, and we're fourth rate advising on LinkedIn. And then of course it's fourth rate advising.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Katie. We really appreciate your time. And I'd love to hear from the rest of you as you digest this, what are some things you're taking away? And maybe there's just one simple habit that you've decided to do as a result of this podcast. Please tweet us and Katie. So Katie's team is at comps for kids. We're at Leone group, or you can just stalk me on the Twitter is Alana Leone, but I'd love to know. Um, so Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate the time. And the audience is what really drives us. Every time I look with my podcast editor, more and more people are listening. Um, we are sparking a trend that we don't have to just talk to educators. We don't have to just talk to ed tech marketers. I believe there's a space that we can all talk together and stakeholders should be talking together to really make change in education. So thank you again all for joining us. You can access this episode's show notes at leoneconsultinggroup.com backslash 10, the number 10. Um, for detailed notes and then everything, all the resources we're going to be putting in there that Katie mentioned as well. So we will see you all next time on all things marketing and education. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard and want to dive deeper, you can visit leoneconsultinggroup.com backslash podcasts for all show notes, links, and freebies mentioned in each episode. And we always love friends, so please connect with us on Twitter at Leone Group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.